Sports, Politics, Life, 360 Document Solutions presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues online at 360documentsolutions.com. Well, the good news is we know for sure our F-22 Raptors can still shoot things down as we have downed a weather balloon, <laughs> so the Chinese call it, a spy mission balloon, about six miles off the coast of South Carolina as soon as it got out over the o ocean, keeping with the ridiculously lame story we've heard from the Department of Defense and the White House that they can't shoot down a Chinese spy balloon over Montana or over the most sparsely populated parts of the United States of America because they don't want to endanger anything. And they've been aware of this since Wednesday. Joe Biden told his military people, he says, now on Wednesday, I told them they could shoot it down and the Pentagon decided they would wait until it was out over the Atlantic Ocean. And my first thought is that's ridiculous. The second thought is that's not why we hire a president to just delegate everything and say, whatever, whatever you say over at Department of Defense, you got this. I'm, I'm busy, man. I got all kinds of problems going on. And we're meeting with lawyers about Hunter Biden. I got to go out and do a, a speech where I'm going to basically announce that I'm running for president again. I got issues all over the place. I got document scandals. I, just whatever you guys think we should do, do. And that's ridiculous. Because I don't think, I, I'm sorry, I, I, maybe I've watched too many movies, but I, I don't think the Department of Defense thinks like that. I think they want to shoot it down. I think they probably wanted to shoot it down over the Pacific, and there was confusion. What, what we really don't know right now is, okay, we saw this thing coming for what, two days? We saw it coming out over the Pacific. It was way up north. It went down through Canada and came down to the United States. So we saw it. We knew it was there. And we quite clearly decided not to shoot it down. And I don't care what anybody says. If it, if it came in over Canada, and that was probably by design because they thought, well, if they come in off of Oregon, it'll get shot down right there. They come in through Canada. We could work with Canada and say, look, we're taking this thing out. I, th 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 none of this makes sense. A decision was made to not shoot this down when it was out over the Pacific. Period. End of statement. That's the real scandal here is they decided to let it cross over land. And it did. And then it got to a place in Montana where you, you could blow something up 10 times the size of that. And you may have to drive and, and work for a day to get to where the debris is. It's so far away from roads or bridges or people or anything. And you might have been able to salvage part of it and see exactly what they have. This could be really hard in the ocean. It's in 47 feet of water off the, off the Atlantic now, in the Atlantic, off the coast of South Carolina. And I'm sorry, they, they just don't get this Biden administration, this Department of Defense, and these people, they get no wiggle room with the American people anymore. They're, they're, this is the first time in my life that we have done, we've, we've executed something militarily and the majority of people in this country will say, yeah, we don't believe you. Sorry, we just don't believe you. you. You can't have this thing flying over the United States for days and everybody in America talking about it because they were looking out their windows and trying to see it and, and hoaxes all over the place. Oh, it's in Memphis. No, it wasn't in Memphis. Hey, it's in South Florida. No, it wasn't in South Florida. It's in South Carolina. Maybe you could see it up the coastline a little. I don't, I don't know how far up that is. Depends on where you are in Florida, but not South Florida, I wouldn't think. We had all these people, everybody talking about it. Everybody wanted to see the balloon. We weren't really scared. Nobody was panicked, but it was just a complete and utter embarrassment. And there is no way anybody believes Joe Biden that he says, oh, yeah, I told him on Wednesday, shoot the thing down. And told him, you know, at their discretion, whatever. 
and the Pentagon waited until it got out over the Atlantic. No chance. That's not what militaries do. Militaries, you know, they, the military says, look, we got this thing. Yes or no? You want to shoot it down? Yes. You want to do it right now? Well, what do you guys think? Well, are there, could there be any casualties? Whatever. There had to be a discussion. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs had to be in there. And at some point, somebody said, it's not doing that much harm. It's not much different than a satellite. Let's just wait till it's over the Atlantic. The last thing we need is what? A political problem. They were not concerned about people dying on the ground. If they're worrying about Americans dying, they'd close our borders. They'd cut off the fentanyl. There's a million things they could do if they were concerned about American dying. They are not concerned about Americans dying. What they were worried about was the political fallout. The disaster for the Biden administration, if everyone in America said, well, you waited, you should have got all over the Pacific, you waited, this whole thing was stupid. Oh, and then you downed it over the United States and some people got hurt. That's what they were afraid of. They were afraid of the political fallout. This was botched from the beginning. We're in such incompetent hands and the whole world knows that this is really bad. This is really bad. They allowed this thing to finish its mission before downing it. Wow, this is not what we hired a president for. It was a single missile from an F-22 Raptor that took off from Langley, Virginia Air Force Base, 58,000 feet in the air, 2,000 feet below the balloon, <laughs> missile, down she goes. It's not politics, folks. It's national security. You just, you're America. You just don't allow a country to do this to you. I'm sorry, you just can't. It's, it's a complete and utter embarrassment. You can't allow other countries to just fly spy planes over your spy planes. I mean, this is the kind of thing you do in war. You try to sneak spy planes over the land so you can come up with a game plan. And that's what most experts think is, is okay, they can now develop a strategic game plan. If World War III breaks out, if Russia lobs a nuke and we have no choice but to respond, if all hell breaks loose, they've got an idea where the missiles are coming from exactly. They have un undoubtedly, undoubtedly, this country is so lacking in security right now that they have people on the ground. I'm not talking about military. I'm not talking about an army. But they have people on the ground that can facilitate things here. Uh, it's so bad that we, we just, we just don't care and we forget so quickly. You know, we can look back as recently as 20 years ago with 9-11 and say, we're not very safe right now. We're allowing terrorists to walk across the border. That's been a threat in my lifetime. I was not alive for World War II, but I certainly know the history of World War II. And we've forgotten what that history is. The history of World War II is very simple. Crazy dictators will try to rule the world. And the only real path they've learned through World War I and World War II the only real path to ruling the world is to get the United States out of the way. Because clearly, it ain't going to work as long as the U.S. of A. is here to stop it. And apparently, we're not interested in that anymore. I mean, it's, it's just unfathomable we're doing this to ourselves. It really, really, truly is. So, we're going to get to a bunch of college basketball here that wasn't very good for the local teams on Saturday. But before we do that, I want to share with you a letter that I got from Spence Mann, who did the weekend podcast throughout the football season. And so many of you have become accustomed to seeing one on the weekend or having something to listen to before Monday. We appreciate you being here. And I want to share this with you. This is from Spencer, and he sent it to a whole bunch of you emailed him after last Monday's podcast that he did. And he responded to them all, and he sent this out. And 
he, he means this now because it's Super Bowl week. And Spencer says he wanted me to read it on the podcast for him to everyone. Hello, everyone. It's Spencer. I wanted to personally thank everybody that listened to me on the podcast this fall and winter. I received some great feedback from you all, and I really enjoy being a part of this. I hosted on Monday and had mentioned I had some recommendations for things to do in Phoenix as I live here. And I received a ton of responses from listeners who are coming out here for the Super Bowl on Sunday. A lot of responses were from people who already had plans to come out and attend the Phoenix Open. And now the Chiefs in the Super Bowl is just an added bonus. That's awesome to me for two reasons. One, being that a lot of Kansas City folks that listen to KKHI will be in town really gets me going. The other, and most importantly to me, is that every single email I received was from a listener who told me they listen every day. Spencer writes, I've spent a lot of time when I was in my 20s working in sports radio in Louisville and here in Phoenix, wondering if anyone is even listening or do they care about the content? This is one of a host's biggest fear, and everyone who's been in radio or TV has thought about this at one point. I'm sure even my dad has thought about this before. He's told me stories about how a lot of people, including people at Channel 4, told him he was making the biggest mistake of his life by leaving television to do sports radio full-time because the time nobody in Kansas City was doing sports radio, and the thought was nobody would listen to it. I want to thank everyone. And if some of you are coming to Phoenix, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Shoot me an email. I've lived here for six years, and I know everything to do in this town. Spencer's email is rsk, that's Robert Spencer Keatsman, rsk, rsk Chevy, like the car, rsk Chevy at gmail.com. That's rsk Chevy at gmail.com. So send it off to Spencer if you're headed to Arizona and say, hey, Spence, what should we do? He would be excited to hear from you, and I think he did a good job with the weekend edition of KKHI for most of the fall and the winter when he was here. Really great stuff. It was all brought to you by Cornerstone Property Management and Home Buyers. A GW Weld and his wife are lovely people, and they've got a great business, multiple businesses actually, but property management is the main thing. GW set out having his own properties and couldn't find anybody to really handle some of the things in a, in a timely fashion for a low cost that need to happen with a rental property. That's maintenance, it's, you know, vetting tenants, collecting rent, all of these things that take place. So he started to do it for himself. And then he knew other people that had rental properties and he started to do it for them. And he says, wait a second, this is the business I need to be in. I can do this. He is an unbelievable property manager, manager with Cornerstone Property Management, but he also buys houses and he'll buy, he doesn't like to call them ugly houses. That's not what he does. A lot of people say buy ugly houses. No, that's not, it's not it at all. He says, he wants to buy your home and give it a, a your tired home and put some new life into it. And he will do that. If you would like to reach out to Mr. Weld, uh, you can email him. Just straight email him. GW at homewithcornerstone.com. That's GW at homewithcornerstone.com. Say, hey, what's the deal here? What would it cost me if you manage my property for me so it can take it off my list? Or maybe I got this house. Would you be interested in buying this one and, and doing some work with it? Tell me. Let your rental work for you. You can call GW at 785-542-0101, or just email him, gw at homewithcornerstone.com. Of course, that's his website, homewithcornerstone.com. Daniel Hanks and his team at Earth Effects Outdoor Living. Covering the entire Kansas City area, they're really great at hardscapes. Outdoor kitchens, bars, fire pits, patios, rock features, water features. Earth Effects Outdoor Living does all of that. 
and they can do it for you. They're online at eeoutdoor.com. They also do regular landscape and maintenance. So if you'd like them to come do uh, your maintenance this year, cut your grass, do your lawn program, or put in some even small jobs, small landscaping, some bushes, uh, mulching, trimming, some things like that. Earth Effects Outdoor Living would love to help you. Just call Daniel. He's a great listener of the podcast, 816-215-9332. That's 816-215-9332 for your new landscape company. It's eeoutdoor.com, eeoutdoor.com, anywhere in the Kansas City metro area. And many of you have asked for quite some time, uh, what's the deal over at Smoke and Fire? How come we never hear about them on the podcast? I say, well, we had some that were grandfathered in and we couldn't speak with businesses and we couldn't do whatever. And we've talked about this before. And I want to let you know that my friends, Jim and Joan Cotty at Smoke and Fire would be honored to have you as their customers. If you'd like to visit their new showroom now at 119th and Metcalf in Overland Park. 119th and Metcalf is where you're going to find Smoke and Fire. It's right in there by Hobby Lobby. And it's all the same great products, those great beef eater grills and unbelievable sauces and rubs and all the cool stuff. They're going to be offering some big specials here pre-spring for KKHI listeners. If you want to go in there at some point this week, mention the podcast, tell them you heard about it right here on KKHI. I don't know that all the discounts are exactly set up yet, but there's discounts on all kinds of stuff. I'm sure they'll take really good care of you uh, if you go in really soon, like this week, pre-spring. We're going to get some good pre-spring when they get busy discounts going in February and March before people think about barbecue. This is the best time of year to buy a grill. You can get one of last year's models for basically cost right now at Smoke and Fire before the new ones come in. They've just been sitting there ready to be assembled or they're on the showroom. You could take them from there. Smoke and Fire, the barbecue and fire place, 119th and Metcalf in Overland Park. Proud to have them on KKHI. Oh boy, I guess we got to get into this college basketball stuff, huh? What a pathetic Saturday for our local teams. No other way to say it. It doesn't get any worse than this. Yeah, it doesn't. Now, there were different paths that these teams took. The headline here is Kansas was not competitive, which was a shocker. I didn't think I had I had Kansas and Kansas State losing, but Missouri winning. That's what I had. Because for crying out loud, Mississippi State is two and seven in the SEC. And Missouri went down there and just had way less effort than Mississippi State. The three ball left Mizzou, just disappeared. After three spectacular games, Missouri goes three for 20 in this game from three. They lose 63-52. 52 points is insane for Missouri. They've been scoring all year. They did nothing. Kansas only scored 53, which is a low for a Bill Self team at Kansas. They lose 68-53, but at least they just got pounded all day. You know, Missouri was lifeless. Then they tied it at 26 late in the half in a low-scoring game, and I think they gave up the last seven points of the half. I'm like, what? You got it back. You got it tied. This is not your kind of game, but then you gave up seven. They're down at the half. They come out. They get down double digits. They hit a couple threes. They start to look like Mizzou, and they come back within three, and then all hell breaks loose. They just do nothing from there. Like offensively, they look completely lost after most of this year. They've known exactly what they're doing on offense. Missouri should not be losing games, giving up 63 points. And that's what they did at Mississippi State. This was one of those nights that you just, you scratch your head and you can't figure it out because the effort wasn't there. How did Mississippi State play harder than Mizzou? We often ask, how come teams don't have 100% effort every night? And they don't. And we know they don't. It's just a fact of life. This was Missouri's night where they were flat. 
they weren't right. The other team played harder. I can't really say that now about the Kansas Jayhawks. I'm saving the best game for last because K-State Texas was actually an epic basketball game. It was high level. It was entertaining. It was fantastic. If you're a K-State fan, you're ready to, you know, punch a brick wall right now. You're so upset with what, what happened. But it was at least well-played, high-level basketball, even entertaining, all those things. The KU game was none of those things. Jalen Wilson scored 26. That was half their freaking points. Kansas only scored 53. Iowa State won both halves. They were up 12 at the half. They won the second half by three. I mean, you can't, you can't even, I can't even describe how bad Kansas' offense was in this game. Now, most coaches will tell you, and I've been around this game a long time and a lot of coaches, you play bad for a reason. And the Iowa State players, basically to a man after the game said, we played this game like our season was on the line. They had a 24-point lead on Monday night and lost at Texas Tech. They had, I'll repeat that, a 24-point lead and lost. Iowa State is a one-trick pony. Here's what they are. When they play at home and play 40 minutes of defense, you're not beating them. And they know that. They're not afraid to play defense. They're not afraid to have fewer possessions. They're not afraid to be up nine and just sit there and dribble and maybe miss a shot with four seconds left on the shot clock. They'll just go down and play more defense. So, yes, Kansas offense was ugly. There was no support, no help for Wilson in this game. There's a million things that didn't look right about Kansas, but there's a reason why. This is a Kansas team that had been playing well. They looked terrific offensively against K-State the other night. They turned the corner, I thought, against Baylor and then Kentucky, and they'd been playing better, and we know they're getting better. And they went to the one place against the one team that is just going to make you look like crap. And that's what Iowa State did. That's no excuse for Kansas. I didn't expect this. I thought they'd play their way through it. And if they gave up, if, if they had a really rough night, I thought I could see them losing 68-63, but I couldn't see them losing 68-53 and just not being in it. Bill Self was literally sitting on the bench with his head in his hands at times, just rubbing his forehead with like six minutes to go, like this ain't happening. His players knew that. They fed off that. They saw that. It's going to be tough. KU and K-State are now in third place, tied for third at six and four with Baylor and TCU. Kansas on Monday night has a Texas team that I don't know that I've seen a better half of basketball by any team this year than Texas in the second half against Kansas State on Saturday in Manhattan after they were down double digits at the half. Kansas State blew this game. Um, Everything we said about Jerome Tang in the Kansas game, the timeouts, the play calling and you know all the different things. It was great that night. It could not have been worse on this day. Jerome Tang against a an interim head coach at Texas because they fired their head coach, looked out of his league. He looked lost today coaching. He just looked lost. Kansas State is up 14 points with a minute 50 to go. They're at the free throw line. Front end, one and one. Clank should have been a 16-point lead. Should have been. And they're not a bad free throw shooting team. It happens but there's something about those front ends that are just death. They are just momentum killers. Okay, here comes Texas. Texas gets going too fast. They go down. K-State forces a turnover, a takeaway. K-State goes down. They miss a bunny. Okay, you hit your free throws. You make that bunny. You're up 18 points with 50 seconds to go in the half. Entirely different game. But no, Kansas State botched that too. Texas goes down, hits a three. 
Then they wind up, K-State got a basket. They wind up hitting a two, whatever. The thing is 11 points at the half, which is an entirely different ball game than the 18 that it could have or should have been for Kansas State. But it didn't happen. Kansas State has a flaw. They have a fatal flaw, and it's easy to see. They have these unbelievable spurts where they look like the best team in America. And they did that in the first half against Texas. They were hitting threes. They were passing it crisply. They were playing downhill. They were rebounding. They were getting takeaways. They did everything right. And then at some point with about five minutes to go in the half when they were up at this point, 13 or 14, I think they had a 14-point lead, they get going too fast. Now they're like, 14, let's make this 28 at the half. And they just speed up. Later in the game, not at that point, but later in the game, Kansas State had turnovers on five straight possessions because they will never slow down. Jerome Tang missed a critical timeout at the end of this game. Kansas State winds up losing by three, but they were down one and had the ball when it got knocked loose. A shot got blocked. It got knocked loose. Johnson grabs it, passes it off. They throw it back over to Noel. There's like 14 seconds left in the game. It's a one-point game. And Noel has the ball. It's a train wreck. The ball was bouncing around. It was a loose ball. K-State had already botched the possession to take the lead and had a shot cleanly blocked, botched it in the loose ball. Kansas State eventually comes up with. They make a pass or two. They got nothing with 14 seconds left. Jerome Tang still has two timeouts left with 14 seconds to go and doesn't call one. They've got a fresh clock. Timeout. Nothing. They keep going. They don't even get a shot off. They turn it over driving in the lane. They foul Texas. Texas gets two free throws. K-State gets it across half court. Oh, I'm sorry. This is is even worse. Still with two timeouts left. After the Texas two points, Texas calls timeout. Then Jerome Tang calls timeout on top of the timeout. Unbelievably. They get the ball across half court with five seconds to go. Down three. Tang calls his last timeout. Tries to set up some three-point shot to tie the game and send it to overtime. It was just complete mismanagement. It was terrible. And for the Kansas State fans there, they must have left mortified when they walked out of Bramlage. They had they had this team, they scored 116 on Texas in Austin. And they, they had a bunch at the half. What was it, 38 or 39 at the half? They scored in this game. They scored almost 40 in the first half, and that was a bad last five minutes. I mean, they were, they were crushing them, killing them again. And they get in these these situations where they're doing it and there's no accountability for the lead. Uh, K-State's not the greatest with the lead team. They just don't take care of the ball well enough. You can't, they had 18 turnovers. Second half was just a turnover fest. You've got a giant lead at home and your second half is just loaded with turnovers, including five possessions in a row where you turned it over. That's where the game turned. Texas already closed the gap to like six or something, seven. And then K-State had five possessions in a row where they turn it over. Turn it over, not not missing shots. Turn it over. And now Texas has a three-point lead. And and they never K-State never got it back. They never got the lead back. But I'm telling you, Texas played some beautiful basketball in the second half. I have no idea what's going to happen at Allen Fieldhouse. I know this about Kansas. They've got a great player in Jalen Wilson. They've got a great coach in Bill Self, and that's a lot. But I'm watching more and more of these teams in the Big 12. 
there are plenty of teams in this league that do not have a talent disadvantage against KU. Most years, it's a talent disadvantage. It is not this year. These teams do not, and Texas does not. Kansas State has TCU coming up. Who knows? I, I, I don't know. I, I fear at least Missouri was on the road, but my God, they look terrible. After winning three in a row and just shooting lights out, they looked lifeless. Lifeless. K-State had energy and life, but it was like some spastic kid that just kept you know, running into things and knocking stuff over in the living room. They just looked really poorly coached in the second half. Really, really poorly coached. And this league will expose that now. I'm hoping it was a... They didn't look great coached against Kansas either the other night. I'm hoping this isn't the league figuring them out for K-State's sake, right? But it might be. But it might be. Mm, really, really bad day of college basketball in these parts. Sorry to be a downer. Sorry to be a downer. But, but hey, at least I'm in here working on the weekend, baby. Hope you enjoyed the weekend edition of KKHI. And again, a big shout out to our weekend sponsors this year, Cornerstone Property Management. That's homewithcornerstone.com. Earth Effects Outdoor Living online at eeoutdoor.com. And of course, now Smoke and Fire joining the fold, 119th and Metcalf in Overland Park. Think family, think friends, think Smoke and Fire, the barbecue and fire place. All right, we're back Monday with another podcast. We'll see what the fallout is here from the fallout of the balloon and probably have that for you on Monday. The Chiefs will be in Phoenix as Super Bowl week starts. We'll have you covered all week long. We're going to move Stan Weber around this week. We're going to have Stan on Thursday for a big preview of the Super Bowl. That'll be fun. And then next week, we'll have him a couple days after the Super Bowl with kind of a season recap. Should the Chiefs win? There'll be a parade, all that stuff. And we'll have Stan on for all of that. So we look forward to all of that. We appreciate you joining us every time you do right here at Kevin Keatsman as Issues. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. Ah!